The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. So I want to get into the Word, and as we get into the Word this morning, it starts with a very happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room. Uh, Father's Day is a, a really wonderful day. I've all, I met with a pastor one time in uh, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's a guy named Willie George. Willie George pastors a, a congregation there that has touched a lot of lives, and if everyone knows Willie George that, that has any awareness of him uh, for the children's ministry that he was part of in, in you know, years gone by. That, that really blessed a, a lot of, uh, a couple of generations in very high numbers. And we were sitting down talking, and we kind of hit it off because of my background in, from the Texas Panhandle and agriculture, and he's, he's just a really regular guy. And so as we were talking and just kind of hanging out, I think he enjoyed regular guy talk instead of everything being so church-related. So we are chatting and talking, and, and then somehow the conversation turned toward uh, Father's Day, and I really don't remember how it turned toward Father's Day. I have no idea. Uh, but I do remember him saying something, and I thought, like, man, guilty as charged. He said, you know what's funny to me is, like, Mother's Day comes around, and we honor moms. Like, like, like it's all wall-to-wall honor. And then Father's Day comes around, and we, like, rip them, <laughs> you know. Like, hey, Dad, suck it up and get it going, you know. And I realized that that's something I had a tendency to do, and I, I don't think that is a, a healthy way to handle Father's Day. And I think the reason why people do that is because uh, we have a lot of issues that result from our fathers. And so when we have a chance to talk about fathers, we tend to lash out at all the disappointment or the frustration or the hurt or the abuse or whatever, and it, it comes out that way. I want to talk about Father's Day this morning from the perspective of God, our Heavenly Father, and I want to look at that and His perfection. I want to bring some things here. Now, should these things inspire us as, as fathers here and now to begin to take on His attributes and do things the way He does it, then I think we'll hit a home run, right? So I want to look at this, and I, the, the, the idea is to inspire and then for every person in the room to realize this is God's heart for me. So it doesn't matter who we are, when we hear these words, we realize this is God's relationship with me. And the more you understand and know God's relationship with you, the more you know who he is, and the more you know who he is, the more you live in the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. The scripture says this is uh, eternal life, that they know you, and that they know the Christ whom you sent, that you there is God. The more you know God, the more you know the life that he brings into your, uh, your existence. Uh, so now another thing. I want to throw rocks at Microsoft because right now my computer is spinning right now saying 0%, 0%. I went to fire up my computer to print out the message this morning and uh, it wouldn't print. And it, would, it said it was updating and it went through the little count, you know, 28% complete. And I'm thinking, all right, this is going to work. You know, 40% complete. I'm getting really pumped. I need to get this done. Then it got to 100% complete. And I don't think that Bill Gates understands what 100% means, because 100% complete means you're done, right? And apparently at 100%, it's not done. And then, I've never seen this before, it flashed a screen on that said, could not update. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. And then it started over at 0%, and right now it's at 0%. So what you are about to get is a handwritten, shoot-from-the-hit message that I know is going to be really awesome, because that's how they always are. And what I want to do is get you uh, aware of where we're going with this. I want to give you a few things that we're going to find 
And as we find these things, I hope that they are uh, impactful to you as they will be uh, to me. Uh, one of the things we're going to find is what our Heavenly Father has for us. And yes, I'm wearing my wife's glasses. I left my glasses in a hospital room and was unable to go back and get them. So you're just going to have to get used to They look good. I feel it. I can tell that it's a, it's a good look, right? Uh, so you're going to find out what your Heavenly Father has for you. And for us collectively, what our Heavenly Father has for us. That's one of the things we're going to find. We're going to start with that. It's going to be foundational. Uh, the second thing that we're going to find is where power is perfect. Where power is perfect. And it, you know, it might not make sense when you're jotting it down right now, but when we get there, you'll see, oh, wow, I can kind of see where we're going with this. And it's a really good thing to understand. It'll actually have a real impact on how you pray and how you think and how you live your life. And then a third thing you're going to find is why we win. Why we win. And that's a really good thing to get in your head. And it's a really good thing to have in your heart. Not just to know why we win, but just to know that you win. Because you're made to be winners. So we're going to get right in, and we're going to start with uh, what our Heavenly Father has for us. That's the foundation we're going to lay on this wonderful Father's Day. What our Heavenly Father has for us. If you have your Bible, Psalm 103. Psalm 103, I want to look at verse 13. Psalm 103, verse 13. We're going to pull from Psalm 103 quite a bit here, and we're going to uh, address a number of different things. So if you have your Bibles and you get to Psalm 103, you get to verse 13, and then here's how it reads. Now, it's describing God, and it's describing God and his feelings and thoughts toward you. Psalm 103, verse 13, it reads like this. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion to those who fear his name. So you see in this passage of scripture that God is being compared to a father that's compassionate to his children. I mean, as it concerns fearing his name, anyone who's called on the name of the Lord, anyone who's ever uh, uh, cried out for his grace or his mercy in their life is someone who has feared his name, someone who has decided, I don't want to do it my way, I want to do it your way, and that is the reverence that we're looking at here. The result of that reverence is to enter into a relationship with God that can be described as follows just as a father has compassion on his children. So I read this passage of scripture and I think, wow, what a great thing to know and understand about God. And I also read it and I think, what a great thing to know and understand about fatherhood. That when fatherhood is being described in the scripture in a godly way, fatherhood is described as being rooted and founded in the release of compassion. That God's love and his relationship with me as my perfect heavenly father isn't described as anything other than compassionate. It's not like there's a long list of things here. God is this and this and this and this and this and this and this. Just like a good father. Just one thing. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord gives compassion to those who call on his name. So I see two things here that I want to learn. I want to learn about God's compassion for me so that I can know what my relationship is with my Heavenly Father. I want to take from that relationship with my Heavenly Father and I want to apply it to my life so that I can be a good father to my sons. And so that I can introduce fatherly things to those around me that are in desperate need. So I want to look at that compassion. And as we read the, the psalm there, we'll find that You'll, you'll find answers to some of your questions right there in the same psalm. We're going to move to another verse. We're going to look at verse 8 because I want to know what does it mean to be compassionate. 
If that's God's relationship with me, and that's my call to raise up my sons is to be compassionate, I need to know what that means. What does it mean for God to be compassionate toward me? When you get to verse 8, here's how verse 8 reads. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate. Okay, so we're identifying God as being this Uh, this compassionate father he is compassionate now you get a description of what compassionate looks like the Lord is compassionate slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness based on Psalm 103 verse 8 right there if somebody were to say Preston what's the definition of compassion I would say being slow to anger and abounding in love I know that's not the dictionary's definition But based on what the scripture is revealing to us, it's revealing that God is compassionate and the results of his compassion toward us is a slowness to anger and an abundance of love and kindness. I can't think of anything better to describe what I desire to bring into the lives of my sons. When you fail, when you mess up, I want to be slow to be angry. And I want to be so full of love and kindness for the things that you need in your life that you're never without not a bad way to look at it. And when I consider God's relationship with me, it's exactly what I see because there's a need for him to be slow to anger. I do things that are frustrating. I do things that are disappointing. I do things that are even just wrong. And the idea that he would be slow to anger, that he wouldn't first be angry and lash out, but that he would first begin to release kindness and love into the situation in order to bring about correction is a really wonderful thing to consider. You can really find the perfect father in God all through his compassion released in and through your life. So once you come to that point, then I want to know, well, how does this work, right? I mean, I understand that God is compassionate. That's what he is as my father. I now see that compassion means being slow to anger and rich in loving kindness. So what does that mean? How can I be slow to anger and rich in loving kindness? Well, you read the psalm there and you begin to see descriptions of what a life that's slow to anger and a life that's rich in loving kindness looks like. And it's an amazing thing to have revealed to you, not just so that you can understand how God feels about you and how he behaves toward you, but so that we can understand how we're meant to behave toward one another, specifically in this case on a Father's Day, fathers to children. So I want to look at a couple of verses here from that same psalm, Psalm 103. I want to look at verses 10 through 12. I want to look at verses 10 through 12. How can I be slow to anger and rich in love toward my sons? How can I be a father just like God is a father to me? How is God a father to me? Now consider this. Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward us. And as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions. That means rebellion from us. Pretty amazing thing to consider, that this compassionate relationship is going to be centered around not giving us what we deserve. I can tell you I have few regrets in raising my sons, very few regrets, but the few that I do have are when maybe I lost my cool. And a line was crossed between discipline and punishment. 
Discipline being to direct and, and to help lead in the right direction. Punishment being to vindicate a situation. I'm mad and I'm going to make you suffer for it. And when you cross that line, it's very obvious because it doesn't produce something fruitful or productive. It is only destructive. It's crushing. It doesn't raise someone up. It beats them and when you consider who God is in our lives, when you consider that call now in our lives to go and reveal who he is to others, we are called to edify. It's just a really wonderful biblical word that means to build up. We're in the construction business, not the demolition business. We're here to build. And when I consider that this is how compassion is released through my life, that I don't give someone what they deserve, but rather I build them up beyond what they deserve. It's an encouraging thing to consider. That this is what's been given to me and this is what I'm called to give to others. All because God is a good father. And he's called me to be the same. I want to give you a passage of scripture to bear witness with that, okay? I mean, we read that passage about the, the sins being removed, not treating people uh, in accordance to what they deserve, but rather uh, that being lifted from them for the purpose of compassion to be manifest. I'll give you a passage of scripture here uh, that comes from the Gospel of John. John chapter 13, verse 34. Now, John 13, 34 is Jesus speaking. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. And that's really the right way to think right now. Don't just think that you're reading about the words of Jesus to some random crowd as if, you know, you're reading some fictional book, but rather you're reading an account of Jesus that he said, hey, write this down because they're going to need to hear it. And then put your name in that. Write this down because Preston's going to need to hear this. And here's what he would say to me. He says, this is my instruction to you. This is the commandment that I have for you, that you would go and love one another. Now listen to this. This is the important part. Even as I have loved you, you're to go and love one another. When I consider how God has loved me, I can see that this makes sense along with what we just read from the psalm, that compassion is manifest in this not giving someone what they deserve, but rather building them up past what they deserve into something great because Jesus loves me unconditionally. That's the word. If I were writing anything down in my notes, it'd be all caps and it would be circled and underlined little stars by it. Unconditional love. Meaning I don't just love you when it's easy. When things are going my way, when you stroke my ego, when you make me feel good, when you do what I want you to do, I love you when it's hard. When you kick back, when you rebel, when you slander or humiliate, when you, when you are dysfunctional, that is where love is put to the test. And that is where we have the opportunity to be like God, our perfect heavenly father, and see compassion released into a situation, to be slow to anger and abundant in love and kindness, all by loving unconditionally. When love becomes conditional, it's not love at all. Your entire relationship is a hostage situation. I'll love you as long as you do what I ask. Here are my demands. You don't meet my demands, somebody's going to die. Pretty rough, huh? 
But unconditional love is altogether different. It's liberating, and it allows someone to fail and fall in the right direction, to fall forward, to grow, and to mature, and to develop. And when we're children being raised up by a perfect heavenly father, that's the goal, to grow, and to mature, and to develop. And so it makes perfect sense. The only way you're going to get that is to introduce compassion, to be slow to anger, filled with love and kindness so that we don't give what someone deserves but rather we give them what they need I would have written that down too that was pretty good I want to give you a passage of scripture here as we continue. The idea that God is compassionate, that he's slow to anger, that he's rich in loving kindness, that this compassion's manifest in not giving what's deserved, but rather giving what's needed, is one of the elements that compassion is released. I want to give you another one, and you'll find it in Psalm 103. It's going to be in one simple passage, one simple verse, but this one simple verse speaks volumes. And I got to tell you, when you read it, it's a little bit weird. There are some things in the Bible that I think are weird because we don't talk that way. You'll read something and you can just read right past it and it gets filed in the category of poetic or in the category of, of just something that is sweet sounding but yet we really don't understand it. Let me give you the passage of scripture and we'll look at it so that we can understand it and it can be more than poetry to us. It comes from verse 14 from Psalm 103. Now remember, we're looking in the ways that God is a perfect heavenly father, that he's compassionate toward us. That means slow to anger, rich in love. And one way that he can be slow to anger and rich in love is manifest in verse 14. Your perfect heavenly father is, and it reads like this, he is mindful of our frame. He is mindful of our frame. I remember when I was young, uh, I was writing songs, and I put that line in a song, and you know, I, I was revealing the song to someone, uh, the worship pastor at the time, for the purpose of just sharing it with him. And I got to that line, and everyone was kind of like, what does that mean? <laughs> that sounds kind of weird. And I thought, well, I guess people don't really understand what that means. Maybe we ought to reword it and, and say it differently. If you have a Bible that has a, a, a little bit of a, a literal translation with it, I, there are study Bibles that include notes and, and things down the middle and on the bottom. What you'll find is if you look at a, a literal translation of this, mindful of our frame is, is actually got a meaning to it that I think we could all relate to based on our current culture and how we speak. Mindful of our frame. It literally means he's mindful of what we are made of. That's what it means, what you're made of. Now, there's a lot of wonderful people in this room, but we all have different capacities. I mean, if we were to bring something physical in here that required lifting or picking things up, some would be able to pick up more than others. Some would pick up less than others because we're all different. We all are made of different things. We have different backgrounds, different genetics. We have different disciplines. We have all kinds of different things, and it produces a different result. You can't expect one person to perform like another person because they're not the same. 
And for God to be mindful of our frame means he knows what you're made of. He knows what you're capable of. That means he'll never require you to do that which you're not capable of doing. And he does this by filling in every gap by his spirit. What a wonderful, loving way to live. Let me tell you something. As a father, I look at my sons and I've asked God for this. God, let me never compete with them but let me always lead them to be competitive. I want them to be driven to grow and to get better, to get stronger, to be faster, to get more done. and do. I want them to continue to, to desire to be better. That's a prayer that they maybe have never even heard, but I pray it. And then I watch them do things like, like practice and get better at things, and I can see that prayer being answered, and I love it. What I know is that first part of that prayer is let me never compete with them. Some of you know my father, and, and he's a great man. Uh, he, he, there were times in my youth that he competed with me, <laughs> and it created some real difficulty or something was never good enough. Maybe it was a situation where you felt like there was some kind of an insecurity where rather than watch a son go further, there was an idea of, well, don't go too far because I'm the man. God's not like that. There's no limitation to how far he wants you to go. To grow and to mature and to do wonderful and great things. Think about the ministry of Jesus Christ. Imagine any mega pastor today saying what he said and consider the wonders of these words, that he would be performing signs and wonders and miracles and teaching at a level that people's lives were being transformed and changed because they could feel the words entering their heart. This guy is dynamic. And he would go to his disciples and say, hey, greater things than this will you do. What? That's a perfect father. I want you to be better than me. I want you to be better than me. I want you to be better than me. And I'm committed to giving you everything you need to be better than I ever was. Pretty awesome, isn't it? It's not competition. It's compassion. And then if you want a passage of scripture to add to this, I, I told you we were going to find something out and we'll We'll find it out here. The fact that God is mindful of your frame, meaning that he knows your limitations. He knows where, where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. And this is where something really incredible takes place. I told you we were going to find where power is perfect. Let me give you a passage of scripture here. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It reads like this. God is speaking, and he's speaking to you, and he says, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is perfected in your weakness. Man, that's going to change the way I think for the rest of my life. As it concerns things like weakness, all I see is an opportunity for God's power to be perfected. God, I'm failing here, and I need your power to come in and fill in the gap. I'm far from perfection in this situation, and I need your help. A compassionate father doesn't look at that and say, well, I hope you work that out. A compassionate father steps in, intervenes, and begins to make provision for that necessary help. Not just out of some uh, assistance, but out of an impartation 
to help raise you up beyond that limitation so that you grow stronger, so that you grow smarter, so that you grow more mature than you ever were before. These are not just things that are meant to encourage and inspire, but these are things that are meant to lead us and guide us to take these things into our prayer time. Father, grow me and mature me. Don't leave me the same. Let your power perfect every one of my weaknesses and let every one of my weaknesses yield to your power that I might do great things in your name. I receive your compassion. There's another thing that is manifest in this perfect relationship, this father-to-son relationship. Remember, we're looking at this from two angles. One, to get a better understanding of who God is to us as our father. And two, to gain a better understanding of who we are as we release fatherly things into this world. The first one that we looked at was that we don't give what's deserved, right? That was the first one. We don't deal with people based on what they deserve. We deal with people based on what they need. That's how God does me. That's how I'm called to do those around me. That second one that we looked at, he's mindful of my frame. He knows what I'm made of. He knows my limitations, and he fills in those gaps. Where I'm weak, he's strong, and I'm called to do the same. Where someone's weak, I'm called to be strong. And now you get to this one. I love this one. In fact, I think it's my favorite. It'd probably be your favorite, too. Benefits. This relationship is meant to be beneficial. God identifying himself as your father is meant to be the most beneficial part of your life in any relationship you'll ever know or have. In every uh, fatherly thing I ever do in my life on this earth, in accordance to how God has led and God has brought these things into my life, is meant to bring benefits to those around me, whether they're deserved or not. Consider the beginning of Psalm 103. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. It's this call to give thanks. You know, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that's within me. Bless his name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Your heavenly Father brings these benefits into your life. And then here's a list of benefits. He pardons your sins, he heals your diseases, he redeems your life from suffering, and he crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed. And then it goes on to say he performs righteous deeds and judgments for all of those who are oppressed. Those are some pretty awesome benefits. If my life is described, if someone says, hey, you know, I've been hanging out with Preston. Someone's like, oh, really? What's that been like? I'd love it if they said, well, he's really forgiving, and I had all this garbage, and now I don't have this garbage, and, you know, I feel better about myself in every single way. I'm stronger than I used to be. I'm way more mature than I used to be, and I just feel, you know, younger, right? And I feel like I've got just, just some zip that I didn't have before. I used to feel so slowed down. Now I feel ready to go do something great be a pretty good way to be described huh? greatest compliment I ever got you know and it's not you know tooting my own horn so to speak I just remember it because when the guy said it I thought wow I can't let that go to my head because that's a pretty big deal he was the president of the student chapter of this university major university I mean he had all of this these things going for him very popular very and we're driving in my truck and 
and he said something to me, and, and it stuck. He said, hey, Preston. I said, yeah, what's that? He said, man, when I'm around you, I feel like I can do anything. I thought, well, not anything. <laughs> I'm just joking. But what a great compliment. That's what we're called to do, to inspire, to walk in such strength and to walk in, in such hope and to not give what's deserved, but to give what's needed and to fill in all of these gaps where there's weakness. We bring strength and we make those around us better. We raise them up just like a father who has compassion on his children, just like God does for us. The relationships that we have are meant to be that way because that's what we've been given. Scripture says this, the same way you've been given freely as you were given, now freely go and give. That's right. That's the point. We're going to close with a passage of Scripture. I mentioned before the third thing we're going to find is why we win. Why we win. You want it for your notes, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. It reads like this. It says, you have overcome. Well, if you want, you can just scratch out that word overcome and just write in the word win. Because that's really what it is. You win because. Now, I stopped there and I realized this word because is powerful. It's about to reveal to me the reason why I win. You win because. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. So who is the he? My compassionate heavenly father. That one that doesn't give to me what I deserve, but he gives to me what I need. The one that is mindful of my frame, knows every one of my weaknesses, and fills in every one of those gaps with his strength and his power. And that one that brings benefits into every aspect of my fellowship with him. Everywhere where there's a need, he brings the proper gift. This isn't just something that's meant to be uh, for us. It's something that's meant to be through us. Now, I'm 100% okay with it being for me. I'll take it all day long. But that's not where it stops. It's where it starts. The idea that God brings his compassion into my life so that he can be greater in me than the one that's in the world is so that I can be equipped to be greater than all of the garbage that everyone around me is facing. So that I can bring the same thing that he brings into my life, into the lives of those around me. Same call you got. Perfect Father. That perfect father puts perfection in all of his children, regardless of gender. Man, woman, doesn't matter. The perfection of your heavenly father is not just offered to you, but it's released through you to everyone around you so that you bring the loving kindness of God into every situation that you face and deal with. That's powerful. I ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray. And take off my girly glasses and pray for you. I want to pray a simple prayer. It's a it's a Father's Day prayer. 
And I've already wished all the dads a happy Father's Day. The problem with Father's Day is it only applies to the dads in the room, right? But as we celebrate Father's Day here and now with this word, it applies to every single child of God because he's your heavenly father. There's not a single person in the room that this prayer doesn't apply to. And where normally you would come to a place where the prayer is, you know, oh, help us to be good dads. Well, I think the prayer is, hey, help us to see you as our perfectly heavenly father in every way. So that we see your perfect efforts in every aspect of our life so that we can mirror those in our choices, in our actions, in our attitudes, and in our words. Help me to see the things you bring into my life as a compassionate heavenly father so that I can go and take that into the lives of others. And I think if that prayer is answered, and there's not even a need to pray the other. I want to pray that. And I want to trust and believe that the Holy Spirit is present and at work in each one of us to open up our eyes to see God as our perfect, compassionate, heavenly Father. To see every word in that song come to life off the page, enter into our heart and mind and affect who we are, how we behave how we deal with those around us. So where you stand, you can be in an attitude of agreement or receiving however you choose. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your word. Above all else, we thank you that you would identify yourself as our father, that you would adopt us and receive us as your sons and daughters. Let an awareness of that wash over us. Let every inferior thought in our mind be driven out by the idea that you choose us be your children, to bestow your love upon us. You don't give us what we deserve, but you give us what we need. That you're mindful of our weakness and you give us the strength to fill in every single gap. And bring to our mind the benefits of fellowship with you. That all the chaos and the destruction in this world wouldn't prevail and bring anxiety into our existence, wasting away what precious time we have, but that we would be free from that fear and free from that anxiety at the awareness of your compassionate, loving kindness toward us as our perfect Father. And let everything you bring into our life be set as an example before us, that it wouldn't only be received and embraced to our gain, but that it would be received and embraced as the example that sets our existence in motion to bring the things that you love and that are pleasing to you in and through our lives to those around us. Let us be just like you. We wouldn't give people what they deserve, but we would give them what they need. We'd be mindful of their frame, know their weakness, and bring the strength to help fill in every gap. And let every benefit of the cross of our King Jesus not only be for us, but released through us and to everyone around us. We want to be just like our Father. We want to be just like you. And let it be for your glory in all things. And as we wish one another Happy Father's Day, collectively we come together in agreement and say Happy Father's Day. Thank you for being our Heavenly Father. Let everything we do bring you honor and joy as we live out our lives for your glory in Jesus' name. And all the saints declare, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.